This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Let's go to Acts chapter 6. As you're turning, let me share a prayer request, and this is also something uh, that I'd really like you to think about as we move into 2023. One of the burdens that I have and the pastoral staff has is we want to become more effective in our efforts to reach our Jerusalem for Christ. You're going to see at the annual meeting that we have had many this year who have professed faith in Christ through the ministries here. Where we need to do a better job is in our follow-up and our discipleship with those individuals. We need a visitation director here. And so that's something we're praying about, talking about. We also, uh, again, need continued training in evangelism. Lord willing, later this year, Jeff and Anna Musgrave will be with us again. Evangelist Musgrave will again be teaching us the exchange uh, that uh, method that is completely biblical about how to share your faith with others it's relational evangelism uh, but what i appreciated about it is it is confronting folks with their need for christ loving them to jesus but confronting them with truth and so that is planned later in the year one of the things that we struggle with as pastors though is motivating God's people to tell because we realize though we need to encourage and challenge we really if you're not motivated out of love for Christ and I appreciated the fact that the music emphasized that uh, this evening but if you're not motivated out of love for Christ it's going to be very difficult for any pastor to try to uh, challenge you to do what you ought to be doing okay Paul said the love of Christ constrains me he would say in other places woe is me if I if I don't declare the gospel I mean it just uh, that was his driving passion because in his own heart he realized what God had done in rescuing him saving him uh, from his lostness and so we try to be organized and, and uh, everything is in place for us to be, to be able to follow up and be a witness. But uh, in these busy days, you're going to have to purpose to do what God has called you to do, sharing uh, the gospel, <clears throat> in fact, sharing your story with others, telling others about Christ. My desire, my prayer is that the book of Acts will open our eyes to this. Uh, I don't see anywhere in the book of Acts that they were having soul winning courses. I don't see anywhere where uh, preachers standing up saying, you know, folks, we really need to be doing this. Now, the love of Christ constrained them, and they were just doing it everywhere they went. Now, that doesn't mean that 
Uh, I don't think you're witnessing uh, during the week in the various places you are, work, family, and so on. Uh, I believe that you are. Uh, a lot of tracts are being distributed. Uh, we know that. Uh, but I'm also burdened when the Lord brings folks here. We need to be purposeful in following up with them. Right? If they're coming to us, uh, we need to do all we can to take them as far as the Holy Spirit will allow us to in seeing them saved and then disciple to Christ-likeness. Would you agree with me on that? All right. And, and I know that's our heart, but I also know even in my own life that I can become so busy uh, that... You know, an organized time every week, whether you're out, and I hope you'll come out on Thursday nights, but if there's another time that's better for you, fine, but get out there, go and tell. That's what we're called to do. And of course, that is the example we see in the book of Acts. So our study in this book has taken us through the first half of chapter 6. You'll remember the spiritual growth brought some problems, though, they had a distribution problem. The Greek widows were being neglected. Their needs were not being taken care of, which then turned into a complaining problem. This problem in the church was a good thing in that it helped them evaluate once again their priorities. Do we stop everything and focus on the problem, or do we keep the priority of prayer and doctrine? The apostles declare that the doctrinal priority, including prayer, needed to top all the other things that needed to happen. And so this discerning people in the early church, led by the Holy Spirit, chose seven qualified men to oversee the distribution to the needs of the widows. Now the fact that we have so many here on a Sunday night, means that you do love the Lord, I believe. We can all love him more, right? You hunger for his word, but I also believe that this reflects that you are discerning. I'm thankful for a church, that, that I'm part of a church family of people that are spiritually minded. Now we all, again, need God to control us even more. But I'm thankful that I, I believe in many ways we reflect what was happening in the early church. But it's interesting to note that the seven men chosen have Greek names, meaning that they were selected from that group in the early church that had been neglected. Have you stopped to consider that? These were all Greek names. Stephen is a Greek name. Philip is a Greek name. And so wisely the church said, this is the group being neglected and we're going to choose those out of this group to help meet those needs. In fact, in chapter 6, verse 5, the last man mentioned, Nicholas, wasn't even a Jew by birth. The Bible tells us he was a proselyte. He was, in fact, a Greek from Antioch who before he became a Christian had embraced Judaism. He was a proselyte. So you have the apostles, all from Jewish culture, and then you have seven deacons, all from the Greek culture. And 
together they are leading the ministry of the church in Jerusalem. Now God is glorified by cultural diversity in the church where there is doctrinal unity. It's another thing that thrills me about Good News Baptist Church. We all don't have the same skin color. We all don't have the same background. And in fact, when you invite your friends to this church, many times they're of different ethnic backgrounds. That's what the early church was. That's what, who, who we should be, amen? All right? And, and uh, I think God is glorified when in a local church, uh, there are all eth ethnic backgrounds that are represented. We're trying to reach everybody for the Lord. I believe God is pleased the fact that there is a Hispanic church that meets the same time this church does here on, on campus. Now, I'd like you to look at verse 7. Acts chapter 6 Notice verse 7, the word of God increased and the number of disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. Makes me smile and wonder, so once they came to Christ, what did they do for work? We're not told that, but they came to believe on the Lord Jesus as well. So the distribution in the church continued the mission of the church given by Christ was not hindered. Only in a local church that is spirit control can you have problems and it makes you better and, and more effective. Now the Holy Spirit has Dr. Luke, who by the way is also a Greek, right? He focuses on the ministry of one of those deacons. You're not going to get a sermon outline tonight because that's not how the Holy Spirit has given us this text. It's narrative. It's a story. And so we're going to follow it as the story, the Holy Spirit through the story leads us. So look at verse 8. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. So although the apostles and deacons are all men controlled by the Holy Spirit, the Lord had only given the power to do miracles to the apostles up to this point, right? And now a deacon is doing miracles. Interesting. Why the change and why does it come here in the narrative, in the story? Well, I agree with Warren Wiersbe. Here's what he says. Stephen's powerful testimony would be the climax of the church's witness to the Jews. Then the message would go out to the Samaritans and then to the Gentiles. So mentally, or you may even want to make a note in your Bible, this is a key point in the book of Acts. Now remember, Jesus said, go ye therefore... Be witnesses, starting in Jerusalem, that's where they're at. Judea, the surrounding area, and then where? Samaria, and the uttermost part, or to the Gentiles. So here you see the fact that Stephen is going to witness, he's going to be martyred for his testimony, then right on the heels of that, 
and the persecution that follows, you're going to have Philip, another deacon, go to Samaria, the Samaritans, Acts chapter 8. Right on the heels of this. And then that, what will follow that is the fact that a man named Saul of Tarsus, later Paul, would witness Stephen's martyrdom, be converted, and then go to the Gentiles and the churches and establish churches all over Asia Minor uh, and Macedonia. But here is the, the, the pivotal point, and that's what we need to see. Okay, Stephen, what happens with Stephen is then going to result in a dispersion, again, churches, or, or Christians rather, being scattered, Samaria and the uttermost part. And it all happens with the life of one man whose life, in our eyes, is going to be cut short. But not really, this is God's plan. A deacon by the name of Stephen. D.L. Moody used to say, the world has yet to see what God can do with a Christian who is completely yielded to him or to the Holy Spirit. I appreciate Moody's ministry, and he was mightily, mightily used of God. And of course, he was emphasizing the need to be spirit-controlled. But I take a little issue with Moody's statement. I don't think it's completely accurate. Why? Well, certainly Paul was a man who was completely yielded to the Holy Spirit, wasn't he? Think about the missionary work that God used him to do. How about the other apostles? And what this text indicates to us is there was a deacon full of faith and the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit's assessment of it. Now, his life was cut short, but wow, what God did with this guy who was yielded to the Spirit. And we're going to get to see through the text tonight uh, how God worked mightily through this man. I'm looking forward to getting to heaven and meeting Stephen. Now, in this part of the Acts narrative, we need to see God can mightily use anyone within the diverse culture of the church. He can use anyone to fulfill the gospel mission. We see these apostles, oh yeah, God's going to use Peter and he's going to use James and look what he did with Paul and oh, there's a deacon over here. But the Holy Spirit says, full of faith, completely yielded to me. And in the text, what happens in this man's life changes so much for the sake of the gospel. We need to see that the same thing will always be true of those the Holy Spirit uses mightily in his gospel plan, those who are willing to yield. Now, I've taken my title from the message, or for this message, from what is said of Stephen twice in this text. Would you look back at verse 5? I want you to see that this is coming from the Lord. Hey, the, the multitude said, uh, or the apostles say, choose you out seven men. We need to fix this problem uh, at, with deacons. And so they chose Stephen, and what's the scripture say? A man full of what? Faith in the Holy Ghost. Now, drop down to verse 8. And Stephen, full of faith and power. Saying essentially the same thing. 
the Holy Spirit repeats this because he wants us to understand what is, is happening in this man's life. And so uh, the message titled uh, this evening, Full of Faith and the Holy Ghost. Say, well, I, I, I'm from this different background and I, I am not an apostle. I'm, I'm not a preacher. I'm not, I'm not, no. But you can be full of faith in the Holy Spirit. And there's no limit what God can do through your witness. That's the point. So look at verse 8 again. Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Then there arose certain of the synagogue. Now you need to uh, underline that in your mind. Synagogue, which is called the synagogue of the libertines. What does that mean? Well, this was a synagogue full of those who were descendants of former Jewish slaves, and they had gained their freedom from Rome. A libertine is simply a freed man, a freed woman. And... Jews from these following cities were a part of that synagogue. Uh, Cyrenians, Alexandrians, them of Cilicia, of Asia. These were disputing with Stephen. Now the point here in the text is not that he was drawing fire, that there was opposition to Stephen. The point here is that Stephen likely had met these individuals in a synagogue in Jerusalem where he had gone to witness to them. Now, what was the pattern of our Lord? He would go to Capernaum, and where would he end up? Synagogue. Nazareth. Synagogue. Where would Paul go when he would go in these Gentile cities? He'd find the synagogue. He'd start there. What was Stephen doing? Well, he hadn't left Jerusalem, but he's trying to reach those in the synagogue of the Libertines. Wow. So, one Jew with a Greek background trying to reach other Jews with the same background. That's what's happening. What is your cultural, ethnic, career background? Do you know God wants you to be full of faith and the Holy Ghost and go into those places with the message of Jesus Christ? You say, well, that's kind of scary. You need to be full of faith. Well, I don't think I can do that. You need to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. But that takes us all back to Acts 1.8, doesn't it? Ye shall receive power, authority. After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses. God said, I'm with you, I have empowered you, now go, you're not alone, and this isn't up to you. You can do it through me. And so, faith is needed. Now, as Stephen took the truth about Jesus, the Messiah to the synagogue, notice verse 10. They were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit now, that word spirit should be capitalized. It's not talking about his spirit. It should be capitalized because of what happens at the end of the verse. By which or through whom he spake. Was this Stephen doing this in his own power? No. The whole context shows us it was through the Holy Spirit. 
And as he spoke through the power of the Holy Spirit, they couldn't refute him. Stephen is singled out in Scripture as being a deacon full of faith. By that, he was willing to trust God as a gospel witness in difficult places. I don't know each week where your path takes you, where God's placed you, where he's called you to work, and so on. Uh, but it's, it's the same for all of us. They're not running up to us saying, hey, would you share with me what you believe? <laughs> no, they're, they're serving idols. They're, uh, they're blinded by the God of this world. And God calls us into those places to, in faith, take the faith once delivered to the saints, to give them the gospel. Now, we need to be wise about that. But... <laughs> whether it's the Lord Jesus or Stephen or the Apostle Paul, they would go right into the den. They'd go right in where, where there were people that would oppose what they believed, but they were burdened that those people come to know Christ as Savior. And so whether you're in the shipyard or whether you, you serve in the military, and obviously there are things that you have to be careful of that if you just, all you do is witness, you'll hurt your testimony as a witness, okay? We, we understand that. We need to be wise. But those are the places where God wants you to exercise faith, pray for opportunities, and then take the opportunities to share Christ with others. And by the way, again, your pastor, uh, God has opened a door for me. I live in that world too. Put on a uniform, get in a police car, pray. Now, Lord, if you'll open the door, give me boldness to share, share your truth. And then I anticipate he's going to answer that because it's his will. And they always want to hear what the chaplain thinks. No. What do you think, Pastor Long? They always want to hear what you think. Yeah. No. Okay. But we take the truth because they have to have the truth in order to be saved. And so, again, willing to trust God as a gospel witness in difficult places as we are controlled by the Holy Spirit. And in the context here, in, this, in the narrative, the Holy Spirit gave Paul or uh, gave Stephen power to work miracles. He gave him words of wisdom that unbelievers could not refute. How often did the Lord Jesus, through His Spirit, say things to the religious leaders, and it put them to silence? It happened over and over, didn't it? I love those texts in the Gospels. Often, our lack of faith is evidenced in our witness. And we forfeit the, or our lack of witness, and we forfeit the opportunity to speak mightily for the Holy Spirit to speak mightily through us. Now, do you remember what Jesus promised the disciples in Luke 12? I spoke this morning, there's no such thing for a Christian, a thinking Christian, as blind faith. Now, we always have the bedrock of Scripture to step out on God's promises. As we obey. But what did the Lord say in Luke 12, 11 and 12? He said, and when they bring you unto the synagogues, 
and unto magistrates and powers, take ye no thought how or what things ye shall answer. Why don't we need to think about, all right, what am I going to say? Or what you shall say, for the Holy Ghost shall teach you in the same hour what ye ought to say. What a promise. Oh, I don't know that I can do this. Just go, ask God to help you, and then open your mouth and see what he puts in it. That's right. That's right. Which leads me to think, and it would have been actually the case that when we get in the next chapter, and as Stephen preaches a message to the Sanhedrin, this wasn't a prepared message. It's prepared by the Holy Spirit. But he gets in there, he opens his mouth, the Holy Spirit fills his mouth, and there is great conviction. How do we know? They kill him. Uh, they've got Stephen on trial, but at the end of this, no, it's really them. They are on trial. And so these Hellenistic Jews resort to the same tactics that were used against the Lord Jesus. Verse 11. Then they suborned men. What's that mean? Uh, the Greek here means to bring under control. The idea is that they persuaded some unsavory characters, probably by paying them, okay, which said, these men that they hired said, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. In other words, they heard Stephen repeat the same things that Jesus said. Isn't this exactly what the Lord said? So Stephen is repeating our Lord. When they brought Jesus to trial, what were they saying? These are the exact charges they brought against our Lord. Now they're bringing them against Stephen. Now how could their present religious system with its feasts, its traditions, its grand temple, how, how could all this really point to Jesus the Nazarene? They didn't get it. And so verse 12, they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes. So they took it right back to the very ones who had been opposing Jesus and the apostles and now they're opposing Stephen. What do they do? It says, and they came upon him. The, the original here uh, has the idea. Uh, they came upon him suddenly. So he's just going about being a witness. All right, some, some are believing, some are hearing, others are resisting. He just continues to witness, and then all of a sudden, here they are to arrest him. They caught him and brought him to the council. Now again, fear of this and lesser things causes Christians not to exercise faith in their witness. No matter the fact that the apostles had already been brought in a couple times in front of the council, uh, the last time they were brought in they were beaten. None of that matters. Stephen knew that, but he is full of faith. He's going to continue to witness and God's in control of the consequences. That's the kind of faith that we need to have. It's trust in God, trusting that he is able to deliver. 
So then the religious leaders who want to be thought pious return to a devious tactic. In fact, that Moses' law forbid them to do, verse 13, they set up false witnesses, which said, this man ceases not to speak blasphemous words against the holy place, the temple, and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth shall destroy this place and shall char, uh, change the customs which Moses delivered us. Wow. Do you know what the word deja vu means? It's like if we just backed up into the Gospels, this is exactly what they were saying about Jesus. Same things. But the point is, Stephen is being faithful to his Lord, doing the same thing, what he's been called to do. Now, at this point, the Lord causes something to happen that substantiated Stephen's witness. And this is how I want to encourage us tonight. Yield to the Holy Spirit, and the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, and what's the next one? Faith and temperance. Faith is the fruit of the Spirit. I think what the Lord wants us to see here is as Stephen yielded to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit filled him with power, including faith. He was a faithful witness. And as we witness for the Lord, he promises to fill our mouths. And then there's more encouragement here. What's the rest of the encouragement? The Lord promises, and he's showing us here, he'll substantiate your testimony. He'll do a work in hearts where they know you are for real. Oh, they may say otherwise. They may resist you. They may mock and so on. But down deep, they know. Because the Holy Spirit promised to draw all men to himself. What does he use? A gospel witness. So what does the Lord do here? I think this is amazing. Verse 15. And all that sat in the council looking steadfastly on him saw his face as it had been the face of an angel. Now I smile and think, how many of them actually saw angels? Not many. But by the way, they had heard the testimony of some who had seen angels. Say, Pastor, when did that happen? Well, all you got to do, don't take time to do it now, but go back to Matthew 28. And that night there was a Roman century, a guard, centuries outside of Jesus' tomb. And here's what the Bible says. God sent an angel. The angel doesn't even mess with these soldiers. They're no match. But he goes to the tomb, and the Bible says his countenance shone. It was like lightning. And so he lands outside that tomb. He reaches down. He rolls the stone away. And the Bible says that these tough Roman soldiers are so afraid they fall down like dead men. They don't try to stop this angel. But what happens is when they come to, they run to this council, the Sanhedrin. And they say, here's what happened. We didn't do it. The Sanhedrin believes them. Say, well, where's that in the Bible? They pay.
hate them to keep quiet or lie. Oh, they believed it. An angel and these soldiers are saying, here's what we saw, and he was no ordinary dude. That's not in the Greek. I made that up. All right, but <laughs> they were angels. Okay. So I have no doubt, as they looked on Stephen, they did see the glory of God. They saw an innocent man who had been speaking the word of God in truth. However, the text doesn't stop there. The text says the face shone like an angel. So Matthew 28, it tells us what an angel's face looks like. And, and again, I, don't, I can't say for certain whether these men were thinking back to the testimony of the Roman soldiers. But this is what they saw. Then this brings to mind as well Moses in Exodus 34. Certainly the Sanhedrin knew that account. I have to wonder here if the Lord wasn't directly confronting what the Sanhedrin was doing. They were saying Stephen was contradicting Moses. Was God saying to them, Stephen is my faithful servant just like Moses? Can you imagine? Here are all these people in the room, and here's a man whose face begins to shine with the glory of God like an angel. Wow. Now here's a question that I have, and I'm going to have to ask Paul and the Lord when, when we get to heaven. Was Paul, Saul of Tarsus, was he witness to this? What we're not for sure of, but I believe in my soul, that when Saul later is on the road to Damascus and the Lord drops him with his kind of glory, that's power. The first thing out of Saul's mouth is, what will you have me to do, Lord? Was Saul in a discipleship class somewhere? No. Was he reading the scriptures because, well, just maybe Jesus is who he claimed to be? No. Where did he come to that conclusion? Stephen. The witness of Stephen. And my question is, was Saul of Tarsus sitting with the council that day, did he see the face of Stephen glow? Here's what we do know, that as they are raining stones down on Stephen in the next chapter, and I'm jumping ahead, as Saul is holding the, the coats of those that were stoning Stephen to death, Stephen looked up and he saw right into heaven. God pulled back the veil, he got to see right into heaven. Saul saw Stephen see Jesus. Wow. Wow. Again, we don't know what went through the religious leaders' minds, but we do know the Holy Spirit was bearing witness to Stephen's witness. Can I give you another example? There are two men later, guys named Paul and Silas, and they're in a dungeon in the city of Philippi. And all night long, they're giving praise to God. They're being a witness, though they have been beaten bloody. Then God sends an earthquake, and what's the first response after they, they, God uses them to keep the jailer from committing suicide? 
What's he say? Man, what must I do to be saved? All that night while they're singing, and, and we're going to see this later in the book of Acts, while they're, while they're praising God and giving testimony to the gospel, you got a whole prison full of people that are listening to that witness. And the Holy Spirit is bearing witness with their testimony. One of the first converts, one of the first families in the first church in Philippi was a Philippian jailer and his family. Wow. I love the power of the gospel. So we're reminded here, and in the next chapter, that the Lord bears witness with our testimony. And Stephen was encouraged, even by their response. He's not alone. You are not alone when you witness for the Lord. So let's conclude. God will not do miracles through you in the same way that he did through the apostles and Stephen. You're not going to lay hands on people and they're going to be healed. Lame people are now going to be able to walk. Yet, if you will be controlled by the Holy Spirit and allow him to give you faith that will energize your witness you will experience the miracles of a God, having God fill your mouth with his wisdom. Can I just stop there for a moment? I, this is something consistent with people who witness for Christ. And, and, and I've heard you tell me this over and over. Pastor, God gave me this opportunity to witness, and, and I don't even know where it was coming from, what was coming out of my mouth, but God was using it. There you go. You ever witness to somebody and afterwards, where'd that come from? From God. It's like when we preachers get up and preach and, and, and we get done preaching and we think, that's amazing, where'd that come from? You know, a lot of that wasn't even in my notes. Where'd that? It was God. It was God. So you get to experience the miracle of God filling your mouth with his witness, his wisdom. You'll get to see him stop the mouths of them who would refute gospel truth. And then you get to have the Spirit bear witness with you as his messenger. In the end, some may go on in their unbelief as you witness. Others will have their hearts pierced as well um, and... Uh, Again, conviction is an interesting thing. People get right or they get mad. In this next chapter, they'll get angry. All right? But God can use it then to impact just one soul that may make an incredible, incredible difference. I believe that Saul of Tarsus was Stephen's convert. I believe that. Years ago, I had the opportunity to hear the testimony of a man named Glenn Schunk. Glenn Schunk uh, was uh, a young man, an adult, raised in a, an Italian Catholic home. And he began to war. There was a man in his workplace that got a burden for Glenn. And Glenn tells this, this story, this testimony. 
uh, he would he asked the man or the man asked him would you would you meet me at such and such a restaurant and he wouldn't quit asking Glenn he was looking for an opportunity to witness and and so finally Glenn Shunk met him at this restaurant and they talked and uh, and the man had given Glenn a Bible and Glenn, and the man said to Glenn, did you read that Bible? Because he had taken the Bible and he had marked places in the Bible uh, like John's Gospel where it would be good for Glenn to go and read those texts. And, and Glenn said that uh, the man asked him, so did you read those texts? And Glenn said, oh yeah, but you know, that, that stuff is for women and children. The man looked at Glenn Shunk and said, Glenn, you're lying to me. You didn't read that. He said in that restaurant, he raised his voice and he called him every name he could think of. He said when the storm was passed, the man still sat there and said, Glenn, will you read what I marked in that Bible? And he thought, well, this guy's not going to give up. He said, I'll go home and I'll read it. So he got out that Bible, he read those texts, God gripped his soul with conviction, and God saved Glenn Shunk. Well, World War II broke out, Glenn got drafted. He tells the story of being in Sicily, he's fighting in the mountains in Sicily, and he got wounded. He goes into a, a hospital a field hospital, and he looks around and people are all shot up and they're complaining and cursing and it was just an awful place to be. And he said, I looked over and there's a guy in a wheelchair. He's, he's covered in bandages and he's smiling. Glenn said, I need to go see what this guy's deal is. So he walked over and he bent down and he said, sir, are you a Christian? And, and the guy hollered so the whole hospital could hear him. Hallelujah! Glenn's looking around. Everybody's looking around. At, you know, did the guy get hit in the head too? What's going on here? He said that he grew a friendship with that man. He was a fellow believer. And they decided we need to do Bible study together. So Glenn tells a story that, that they would meet outside uh, of, the, uh, of the hospital area. There was a, uh, an area where they met and had Bible study. And then they started inviting people. And more and more people started coming. He got the, uh, the attention of the, uh, the, the, those that were uh, officers in the military, the hospital staff, and they start sending spies out to see, who are these, what are these guys doing out there? Oh, they're having Bible study. Glenn tells a story how they, um, they started to realize a lot of these guys are unsaved. We need to try to reach them for Christ and the, the, his friend said that's a good idea and Glenn said who's going to preach and he said you are Glenn said oh no I, I, can't, I can't preach he said look just tell them how you got saved so Glenn told him one night his story told him how he got saved and at the end he didn't know any better he said now if you want to be saved raise your hand he said I looked out and everybody's hands were up he said, all right, put them down, put them down. He said, I don't, I'm sure they didn't understand what I was asking. And so he shared it again. Now, 
Here's how you're saved. If you want to be saved, raise your hand. He said, all the hands went back up. He said, most of that night, my friend and I went around leading guys to the Lord. Well, because of their wounds, they were shipped back to the, the States. The war ended. And then somebody told Glenn Shunk about Bob Jones University. He said, you ought to go there. Glenn shares that back in those days, there were so many young men, they had, they had lost their youth uh, in, the, in the war. So many who had come to Christ, though, from all over that, uh, that came to the university, that there was a time when on campus they put up, they bought Quonset huts and put them up on campus just to have enough housing for all these guys returning from war. Glenn got trained and God called him into evangelism and I got, to, I got to hear his testimony. But what a powerful testimony. Uh, hundreds, thousands saved under Dr. Shunk's ministry. In fact, I've got a good friend. They live in North Carolina now. Uh, we were talking one day and I didn't even know this about his testimony. We were talking about Glenn Shunk and he said to me, he said, you know, I was saved under his preaching ministry. I said, you're kidding. Wow. But where did it all start? And here's my point of the story. A man in a diner who would not let this fiery Italian scare him off. He just, he was full of, the, of faith and the Holy Spirit. Dr. Glenn Schunk is in heaven for many, many years after his home going. His wife was on staff at the university. Uh, she's with the Lord now. But that testimony is so powerful, all because somebody like Stephen was willing to share the gospel and not be scared off, intimidated, because somebody didn't like the message. Remember, we're not called to save them. We're called to tell them. So this week, let's go and tell them. And we have the blessing of tracks. Have a pocket full of them or a purse, all right? Tell them and then reinforce what you've told them. Be a witness for Christ. Full of faith and the Holy Ghost. When you got saved... You got the Holy Ghost. All of it. Now, are you going to let him have all of you? And will you let him grow your faith and then be willing to use that faith, exercise that faith to be a witness for him? Let's pray. Father, thank you tonight for the example of Stephen. This is just the first part of the message on his life. We're going to get to see next what happens when in front of these men who are probably glaring at him? What an intimidating sight. He opens his mouth, you fill it. And Lord, you do a mighty convicting work in hearts. And ultimately, Saul of Tarsus will be saved. Now Lord, if you can use Stephen, you can use us. Because it's not the vessel, it's whether the vessel will yield to the Holy Spirit. So encourage us with this truth. Lord, would you use it to transform 
our witness as a body here at Good News Baptist Church. And Lord, if we go forth weeping, bearing precious seed, doubtless we'll come again rejoicing, bringing our sheaves with us. Help us to trust you. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.